This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. But the scripture that we are working off of right now, currently, is James chapter 4, verse number 15. And if you have been taking notes, I want to call it to your attention again as we read it on the screen. It says, for that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. We're talking about in that particular verse how to know God's will or how to pray in God's will. And uh, this is where we're, we're studying the scriptures tonight. And I have given you some very simplistic ways to know God's will. And uh, I want to go over them real quickly for you again as an introduction to the Bible study tonight. There's simple ways for us to know God's will. Obviously, we know God's will. We can know God's will. We can seek God's will. Uh, teaches us that there is safety in the multitude of counselors. And as I emphasized, I believe it was last week, but you have to be careful of who those friends are you're talking to. Because if you're not careful, you don't use wisdom there. What you confide in to somebody may be on somebody else's billboard or voicemail or email before you uh, go to bed that night. So you have to be very careful. My suggestion is this. If you're going to choose to seek out friends to bear your burden, make sure you're not seeking someone who has the track record like a yo-yo up and down. You want to be in touch with somebody that is solid and stable with the Lord. And then we talked about this. God can speak to our hearts. We can know his will as he speaks to us inwardly. The Bible says that when we are saved, that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. And so that's important to know that the Holy Spirit of God, in fact, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, when he came, he would lead you, he would guide you in all truth. Another way that we have the ability to know God's will is through a yielded and willing spirit. In fact, I, I want to ask you to turn there with me tonight. Go with me to the book of Romans just for the moment. And uh, I want you to see this. This is a classic verse of Scripture. Most of you maybe have memorized this early on in your past, but it's a wonderful place where I could give you illustration tonight in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1 and 2. But this is a tremendous testimony of how God can speak to our hearts. We can search his will, we can seek his will through a yielded spirit. And in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, the scripture says, and Paul is writing, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And I want to just park there for a quick moment and remind you of a very important truth, and that is this. God is never going to require of you something that you are totally not capable of doing. Now, don't confuse this. With God, all things are possible. If God can make a donkey speak and a rooster crow, he can certainly equip us with gifts. But I will tell you this. That's why there's so much diversity in the body of Christ. There are musicians, there are preachers, there are deacons, uh, there are ushers, there are greeters, there are so many of us doing different nursery workers, Awana workers, uh, all kinds of people that we have inside the church. 
Think about it if, if everybody uh, was, was just a greeter and there was no word being preached or no word in song being sung. Think about that. So, or no word being taught. Uh, and no assistance going on in, in the flock and the body of Christ. So we all are wonderfully and beautifully knitted together for God's purpose. So when you read a scripture like this, which is your reasonable service, there, there are many people, for example, there are people that have told me in the past, and I've made this a priority. And that is, I never call on people to pray unless I have first gone to them privately and said, if God would so lead and there was an opportunity presented, are you okay with praying in public in front of people? I've had many people say, preacher, I'm glad you asked me that question ahead of time because the truth of the matter is, I, that's not my cup of tea. That's not what I prefer. I don't, I think I would draw a blank. I don't know what I would say. And maybe what I said wouldn't make sense. Maybe it wouldn't be scriptural. I, I just not comfortable with that. And I get that. And you know what? That's better that me and that person had a conversation in the hallway in private than for me to put somebody on the spot like this in front of everybody and trying to play mental gymnastics in front of people and then being embarrassed and so forth. So I don't do that. My point is this. God's not going to force us, move us to do anything, first of all, where he cannot get the glory, where he cannot use us for his glory, which is just us doing stuff to be doing stuff. God never does anything without a purpose. He has a plan. It's all within his rhyme and reason. So that's why... The Spirit led Paul to write these words, which is your reasonable service. But take it out of park. This is where we go here in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look at this. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so that's done through a yielded spirit. So again, God makes his will known to us through his word, through the counsel of friends, inwardly through the Holy Spirit, when we have a yielded spirit. And uh, this was very unique. And I want you to see this scripture in the book of Proverbs. God speaks to us oftentimes through the area of common sense. Look at this in Proverbs chapter 16. And I want you to see this in verse number nine. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number nine. The scripture says this, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directed his steps. The word says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So God gives us some very clever things to do just by, by reason, by common sense. Obviously, God speaks to our hearts through prayer. There's a classic verse of Scripture in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 33, 3, where the word says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So in this thing of decision-making, seeking God's will, 
we know that God, I've given you some very simplistic things of ways how God speaks to us. One of the most elevated ways is through the area of fasting. And that's something that many preachers do not preach on anymore. Teachers don't teach about it, and congregations miss tremendous blessings as a group because of that missing element. I believe in fasting. In fact, I led you in a church-wide fast just a few weeks ago. There are different types of fasts. It's not just depriving yourself of water or food. The scriptures clearly teaches us that there are certain types of fasts that are used to accomplish certain types of things. We talked about the Daniel fast that was laid out in scripture where the Daniel fast was primarily used for physical healing and it focused in on the digestive system. We talked about the Ezra fast. This is a particular fast where Ezra and the children of Israel were facing a huge problem as a people. Ezra called the whole group together for prayer and fasting, and God moved in tremendous ways. What we're talking about now is the St. Paul fast. This fast is designated or designed to help us with decisions that we're making. So for the one that's watching or listening, sitting here tonight, and you're saying, so preacher, are you saying that uh, prayer is such a powerful thing that we really need to take time to put this in uh, godly assortment? That Are you saying that there are certain types of prayers we can pray? That God moves in different types of ways in our life? Don't confuse this. You call unto God, he will answer you, and he will show you great and mighty things. That's what the scripture says. And so I don't want to make this sound ritualistic because certainly I, I don't want anybody to sense that uh, this is a form of Catholicism. It's certainly not. But what I want you to understand is that there are specific fasts in the Bible that specific prophets prayed for the time that they were in. Uh, whether it be the prophet Daniel, whether it be the prophet Ezra. Now we're talking about a fast that moves us into the New Testament, the prophet or, or the apostle Paul. So we're talking about decision-making, and there's a lot that I want to say to you tonight about that, and I hope that you're writing some things down. Those of you that are watching by Internet tonight, get your pen and pad out, and I hope that you'll stay with us because, as I mentioned last week, and I want to reemphasize this, some of the things that we talk about tonight, I, I realize that they are enriched in such a way that you will be engulfed in the moment. And before you get to your car, you may say, now, what did he say about that? Or what scripture did he use for this? And so I don't want you to lose this. This is good stuff that you can go back and refer to. And I hope that you'll do that. So I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalms chapter 25. Uh, because I want to share something with you, many things with you tonight, as time permits about decision-making. Many of our decisions that we make in life, they have a tendency to weigh heavy upon our hearts. I'm talking about burdensome heavy. Some of the decisions that we make in life keeps us up at night. They toss and turn us throughout the night. 
Some of the decisions that we make has a tendency to rob us of some joy. Our spirit is troubled. Maybe even some decisions that we make robs us of nourishment to where we are so worried and altered in the routine of life that we don't take time to eat properly. And so we're losing sleep. Stress is affecting us. We cannot eat properly. We're wondering about that decision that's overwhelming us and how it affects us in all facets of life. We worry if we've made a decision, we have a tendency to worry, did we do the right thing? And so there's, there's monumental concerns in that. But keep this in mind. With whatever decision that you're facing, God is willing to give you direction. Never forget this. God is willing to give you direction. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. So if you're facing a monumental decision, and the older we get, the the more monumental our decisions are. Remember that God is willing to give you a direction. The most important decision that you will ever make in life is a decision to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. There is no greater decision on the earth that you will ever make than this. Those of you that are watching tonight, and I have no idea how far our communication by Facebook or live stream is going tonight. They tell us that we're reaching many states in America and we're going into some foreign countries. You might be right here in the Tri-City area. I don't know where you're watching from, but listen carefully. The greatest decision that you will ever make on this planet is to know Jesus Christ, to trust him as your personal Savior. There's nothing more important than that. What shall it profit a man if he were to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So there is no better or more important decision that you will ever make. The truth of the matter is this. We will always be in a situation where we're making decisions all the time. I think maybe some of you might can remember a time in your life years and years ago when you were young, you had people making decisions for you. You didn't like it and you didn't like to go along with it, but you know, at the end of the day, you, you were saying, man, I can't wait till I turn 18 and get out of this house where I can start making all these decisions on my, how many of us have said that like a broken record? I mean, the scratch on the 33 LP, we've said it a thousand. I can't wait till I'm old enough to get out of this house. And I'm tired of following directions. I'm tired of taking orders. First thing I do when I get out of this house, I'm going to join the United States Marine Corps. Well, Though that was many moons ago, you think about it, there was a time that I can remember when I laid my head softly on a pillow at night and on my dad and made a decision for me. And I was in the safety of that. I didn't always agree with it. But I look back on it now and I say, man, I'm glad. He, he, he did what he did. He decided what he did. And I've learned from that myself. But 
I want to show you something here in Psalms 25, and I want to give you some pointers tonight that I think will help you in the Word as we're studying the book of James. And getting on this thing of knowing God's will, how to know it. And I'll give you some very simplistic things, but one of the greatest tools in the Bible that I can give you that will help you to seek God's will and to make good godly decisions is through the avenue of prayer and fasting. But in Psalms 25, I want you to see this in verse number 12. This is a peculiar verse, and I want to explain something to you. The scripture says this in verse 12, What man is he that feareth the Lord? And I, in my Bible, I've underlined that word feareth, and I would like to suggest or encourage you to do that yourself in your Bible if you're accustomed in writing in it. I, I want to explain something because the Bible is clear that God does not give us the spirit of fear. God's spirit doesn't operate like a demon spirit. A demon spirit will whisper in your ear and give you fear, make you tremble, make you scared, make you doubt God's word. The Holy Spirit doesn't operate like that. So when you read this kind of scripture, what man is he that feareth the Lord? And, and we know that it's not God that gives us the spirit of fear. He's not the author of confusion. He doesn't give us the spirit of fear. So what does this mean? What man is he that feareth the Lord? How, how do we righteously, how do we humbly fear him? We fear God when we reverence him. When we, we submit to his holiness but I think probably one of the best ways that I could stress this point tonight is this. One of the best ways that we learn how to fear God is when we get to the place where we are totally depending on him for everything. Jesus said in the word, John fifteen five, without me, you can do nothing. Now look at this the latter part of that verse. Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. So when we're fearing God righteously and reverently and we are totally dependent on him for everything, according to the scripture, and this is a psalm of David moved by the Holy Spirit, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He is saying this, that God will teach us in the way that we should go. So you're at a crossroad. You're, you've got to make a decision. You're wanting to know what to do. You're depending on the Lord. There's a couple of things that I want to bring to your attention tonight about that. Number one, when you're standing in the valley of decision, something's weighing heavily upon your heart. Ask yourself a series of questions. I'm going to give them to you, and I'm going to give you time to write them down. When you go home or tomorrow, next week, next month, you have an opportunity. Reflect on this once again. Number one, ask yourself this question. Is the decision that I'm getting ready to make 
Does it represent my values? Think about that. Does it represent who I am? What I am in Christ? Because the outcome of what you decide must complement who you are in Christ. And so does it reflect your values since you have given your heart to the Lord? The second question is this. While you're facing a decision, ask yourself, is my heart right with God? Because you see, sin separates us in the realm of fellowship. You you will never, ever have to worry about your relationship. If you have come to Christ, you know him to be your personal Savior. You know that your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have been covered by the redeeming, the atoning blood of Jesus. You have entrusted your immortal soul for his safekeeping for eternity. The scripture says, who are kept by the power of God, who are sealed unto the day of redemption. You know that you are saved. Nothing can ever change that relationship. You are born into the family of God. Jesus said, no man can pluck them out of my hand. But what can happen in the way of change in this walk with him, not the relationship, but our fellowship with God can be broken and severed and can be seriously impaired with unconfessed sin in our life. I'm glad God's got a remedy for this because the truth of the matter, there is not one person, me, I can start with this person right here. There's none of us on the planet watching by internet in any church house in America that can say, since I gave my heart to Jesus, I've been walking the straight and narrow, the perfect holy way, and uh, that's the way I plan to keep on. Listen, none of us have walked the straight and narrow, perfect holy way ever, always, since we've been saved. We had not done it. All right, that's okay. We'll, we'll take an intermission. How about that? <laughs> no. Let me, so do you get this? You get what I'm saying? None of us are perfect. Only one person that's ever walked on this earth perfect, that's Jesus. Only him. So we, because we are imperfect in an imperfect body that will one day die and have to be given, reassigned a glorified body in order that we can live with him. Listen, the thing about sin, it affects us and our relationship with the Lord Jesus. We are not perfect people. And so when you're facing a decision, you have to assess this thing now. You're saying, okay, it's because I'm getting ready to come boldly to the throne of grace. I'm getting ready to let my petitions be made known unto the Lord. Is there anything in my life that's separating or dividing me in Jesus, me and God right now? Is there there anything that would hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in my life? Is there some unconfessed sin going on with me right now? David said, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. 
He said, wash me and I shall be clean. So what you do is you put yourself at the mercy of God. And John said it this way. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Aren't you glad tonight there's a remedy? There is a balm in Gilead. There's a sympathizing Savior. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord of hosts. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Aren't you glad there's a remedy? There's the blood of Jesus that what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And it's the blood of Jesus whenever we get into this broken fellowship. God can take us to that mercy seat he can, when we have asked for his forgiveness. And he can give us that, that blood bath that we need so desperately. Lord, wash this dirty heart. Take away this sin. I confess it unto you. Forgive me of this. Because when you're facing a monumental decision, listen, you need to make sure that you're on praying ground. Praying ground. I've asked many people this. I've stood at the hospital sometimes two or three o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I have, I, I can remember the time that I've been at the hospital on a Saturday night, all night. Left the hospital long enough to shower and shave and get back to the church and preach. And there have been all kinds of circumstances. But I will tell you this. I've asked people in critical hours of their life, are you on praying ground? Because right now you need to be. There are a lot of things and times that happens in our life. We, we don't have a lot of time to get on praying ground. That ought to give us all some caution and thought to ponder tonight. Things can happen out of nowhere. So we need to, we need to be on praying ground. So remember this. Ask yourself these questions. Number one, is the decision that I'm getting ready to make, does it reflect my values? Number two, is my heart right with God? Number three, the question is this. Will this decision honor God? Am I going to be a better Christian because of this? Am I going to be better equipped in the faith? Am I going to be surrounded in the company of believers that are going to uphold me better than where I am right now? So does your decision, will it honor God? And then ask yourself this question. Not only will it honor God, but ask yourself, and this is probably a two-part question, what does God think about this? Let me share something, and I want you, if you don't write in the margin of your Bible, you have a conviction about that, let me ask you just temporarily for the next 30 seconds, maybe sacrifice that conviction just for a moment and write this in your Bible. Don't lose this. The Bible is the mind of God in print. Let that sink deep in your soul. The Bible that you hold in your lap is the mind of God in print. So when you're facing a decision, you, you ask yourself, 
What does God think about what I'm getting ready to do? Because in this holy world, you have his mind in print. Another question would be this. Have you asked God for wisdom? Decision. And one is definitely wisdom. But the other one that I would say would be paramount with wisdom would be courage. Because you see, what you're asking God to do, it may be so big and bold and dramatic, and you're needing courage to walk through the threshold of what he speaks, what he says, how he feels. And so my question would be, have you asked God for wisdom and courage? And then obviously... This is very important. Have you spent quality time in prayer? I've said this all of my ministry. I mean it just as much today as I meant it the first Sunday I preached it. And that's this. Don't ever let the pressure of time force you to make a premature decision. Because there's sometimes you've just got to wait upon the Lord. Our word says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and shall not faint. Sometimes we have to be still and just know that he is God. So whether we're waiting or whether we're just sitting still, listen, don't ever Let the pressure of time, if you've got, listen, if somebody comes to you and says out of the blue, off of a whelm, throwing your back up against the wall and saying to you, you need to decide this right now. Always, always say no. Always. Because here's here's what happens. If a person is going to tell you that, or you're, you're forced when doing that, you need to say, listen, if I don't have time to get in Gethsemane with Jesus, if I don't have time to spend in that sweet hour of prayer, if I don't have time to take my petitions to the throne, if I don't have a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me, then I don't want to have any part of this, not now anyway. You can never go wrong by waiting on God. So learn to wait. Because here's the thing, and I've got just a few more minutes here. This has gone by so fast, I can't hardly believe it. When you're getting ready to make a decision, have you considered the outcome of your decision? Think about that. Consider the outcome. Will this bring you closer to God? Will this lead you farther away? That's very important. Because if you ask yourself that question, it leads you back. It intertwines with all of these other ones. And so here's what you do. If you can go through that spiritual checklist 
you can ask yourself these questions honestly and answer them honestly. And somebody may say, well, I've done all that, preacher. That's, you know, and, and I just don't get it. God's not speaking. I, I'm, I've said all of that and I've prayed all of that and, and I've been praying that for a year. If I were you in that situation, I'd say to God be the glory. Because what you're doing, you're not getting ahead of God. So you say, well, when, when does that end, preacher? When will I know that he has spoken? When will I know that he's made a way? When he gives you peace. When he gives you peace. When God gives you peace, I mean, you've, you've prayed about a decision. God's, you've been thinking about something and God's been working in your heart and, and you've been presenting something to the Lord and you've done pretty much most of this stuff. And listen, God shows up. And as he spoke to the winds and the sea, and he says, peace be still. When God speaks peace to your soul, that's when you know it's time. So, the St. Paul fast is designed to help us with decisions. And I, I may just give you one more particular fast. There are many different types of fasts in the Bible. Next Wednesday night, I may give you one more. There's so many more things that I want to give you with this. And so we'll see how God moves and how the time plays out next Wednesday night. But I want you again now, don't forget, because we've talked about three specific fasts. The fast of biblical healing, the Daniel fast, the fast of decision-making led by the prophet Ezra. And this type of fast here is when, or when you're making a decision, when you have a group problem, the Ezra fast, when you're making a decision, the St. Paul fast. I hope that you've wrote those down if you've not forgot it, that you're on track with it. This is to me, I get so carried away with it sometimes because there's just so much here. But all of this is coming out of James 4.15. We're still in the book of James, though we've not been as uh, rigid with it uh, for the last several weeks or months, however it's long been. We are in James 4.15. Seeking God's will. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.